football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All right, rolling on here, Twin Peaks on a Monday, Monday Night Football coming up, Niners and Rams. I was just trying to find the uh, – we were just talking to UNLV football on the 4-1 and one start. And what's coming up the next three weeks at San Jose, home against Air Force at Notre Dame. You know, tough slate here. They're five-and-a-half-point dogs on the road on Friday at San Jose State. I was trying to find the updated odds on Mountain West Conference. I don't see it updated yet. So I see five-and-a-half and six – at different places for, the game. Um, yep. for this weekend's game. So um, I'm not going to sit here and name all the books, but total of 53, low 52 and a half, a um, couple of 53s, 154. So I'm guessing they're betting the high. Um, it opened 50 and a half. It opened San Jose four and a half and 50 and a half. So they're betting the favorite and the over. And I don't know if that's public money or I would guess that's sharp money. Because I would imagine public money is going to drive. We'll have to talk to uh, our boy JVT. You forgot his name. No, come on now. I was I was gonna I didn't know whether I was going to say Jonathan, whether I was going to say JVT. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. John Von Tobel. <laughs> Could never forget his name. One more thing on college football. You did see that Wisconsin yes. dumped Paul Christ. Yep. How nuts are the Power Five programs? With all the money they have to spend, and I'll say in this case, piss away on buyouts for coaches. Like, unless something's come down that I didn't see, was there something incredibly toxic going on in the Wisconsin locker room? You know, you hear, oh, they lost the program. Did he lose it enough that he needs to be fired? Four or five games, five games into the season in Wisconsin's case. So now the jobs open, Willie, are Arizona State, Colorado, Georgia Tech, Nebraska, Wisconsin in the Power Five. And I'll just address this for a second because, again, let's let the UNLV season play out. I don't think they'll lose the next seven games, but you have no idea what's going to happen, right? They should beat Hawaii. They have a good shot to beat Nevada here at home. But the whispers, it is amazing what Rebel backers are like. When good times come, they're like, well, I mean, this is awesome. Love seeing it, but Arroyo's gone. Brumfield's transferring. I'm tired of hearing this. <laughs> I'm so now it could happen. It could happen. So, I, it, it, yes, it, it we very know. well could happen. We but, know that. But let the like enjoy the season. Yes, Jesus. And I will. I will tell you. I don't think UNLV has Power Five money to give Arroyo. This is amazing. I can't believe I'm even addressing this because we're talking about Marcus Arroyo, who last year at the end of the year, people were like, "All right, that's enough." Beginning of this year, hot seat. Five games in. Oh, we're going to lose him to Power 5. Like, what What the hell is going on? Like, you're I, never happy. I Here's the thing. I get it. Money talks, right? I mean, money drives it all. But I just don't – I don't know. I'm just not – you know, I said this about Lindy LaRock. You and Adam fought me on it. Um, and then she got extended. I've gotten to know Marcus. Okay, I, I was one of his. I wasn't a detractor as far as his. You, and you back me on this. Like, do I'm you open. know him well enough to go on the field and like give him a big slap, like no. a high five? No, that ain't gonna happen. No, um, big hug after the victory. No hug after the victory. There'll be no screenshots of me doing that. But I shake his hand. Okay. Uh, 
he asks me about my knee all the time. Um, but you you know this because you you actually talked to me like eh, he's he, you got to get to know him. I was it was more <laughs> about his preconceived notion of the media when he got here, the stories I had heard that he researched everybody and already knew who he liked and disliked because of how they already wrote and or reported on the program, and so he came in. Wait, wait, by the way, I, I did I I didn't say that to you, did I? No, okay, I was no, like, no, no, it wasn't I was you. like, I it wasn't. I'm you. like, I don't remember saying that. It wasn't I don't, you. I, don't, I didn't believe it. So. No, it wasn't you. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, is that. You could sense it because it was during the pandemic, so we were always on Zoom. He was very short, very curt. He was turning down one-on-ones. And the thing you want to do when you come in is you want to come in and learn for you. So you know what? Perfect example is the off-the-record conversation I had with Jack Eichel. And I went up and said, hey, we've met in press conferences. When I say, hey, Willie Ramirez, Associated Press, and I asked my question, but we've never talked. And I just want to let you know where I'm coming from. I got family back east. I know people in Buffalo. I know media. They're all saying – that you're the C word of a locker room, which I'll never say because I don't like that analogy. But anyway, I said, I just want to let you know, I, I want to learn for myself. I want to get to, I'm looking forward to covering you this season in the locker room. It's the same thing with Marcus Arroyo. Now we've dropped that barrier and we've gotten to know each other. But I've never, not once said he was the wrong person for the job. I've never said he was a bad coach. Never said he didn't know what he was going to, what he's doing. Never, ever, ever. I don't think with the character that I've met that he's just going to turn around and bolt when you build something, especially a program that's been garbage for 20-plus years. Now, that's not a knock on Tony Sanchez, who I'm friends with. It's not a knock on Bobby Houck. What I mean is that overall, the big since I was a little boy going to the Silver Bowl, this has not been a successful program. There have been successful seasons. There have been great things that these men have done tony sanchez i mean there's a reason that that football complex is on there what i'm saying is that if marcus arroyo continues to do what he's doing i don't know how quick he's going to want to turn around and say okay i'm out when you build this and who knows if the unlv is going to end up in a power five conference we still don't know what's going on with the landscape of power fives and all these conferences unlv we've talked about this unlv may not be the attractive school but las vegas is attractive for these conferences, for what it offers and the money and the revenue. I don't know if Marcus Arroyo is ready to bolt. I don't know if Dougie Brumfield's ready to bolt. Patriots yesterday, under the NFL. Patriots play a solid game. A lot higher scoring than I expected, but uh, Bailey Zappi came in, did a pretty decent job. They wound up losing in overtime. To the Packers. I, I love when you send over stuff like this. The NFL power ratings four mm. weeks into the season. Yeah. These mean a lot. Yeah, oh yeah. Where the how bad are the Patriots? I actually think yesterday I would upgrade them after that game. I do too. Right? Yeah. And then when I look through these rankings, and this is what, NBC Sports? Yeah, I made sure it was at least a, a, a legitimate media source that was ranking them, not some hokey dokey NFL ranking. Yes. Uh, 25 in the league is the Steelers. 24 of the Patriots. In front of the Patriots are the Falcons, the Browns, Seattle, the Jets, the Raiders, and the Giants. You can scratch uh, just about every one of those teams in being ahead of the Patriots. Give me a break. The Jets are not better than the Patriots. I disagree. The Falcons are not better than the Patriots. The Giants, I love the, the write-up on the Giants. Giants have so many holes on the roster, but 3-1 and one is 3-1. and one. Mm. Actually, it's, it's, not. it's not. That is stupid. Yes. Because strength of schedule matters. And, you know, it hit me with the Giants, you know, and it should hit everyone. 
the schedules are put out after each year. Some of the schedule is based on where you finished the year before. You, we look up on some Sundays, yeah. and you're like, my God, these are three dreadful matchups or four dreadful matchups. You know why? Because it was a last-place team against a last-place team, a third to last, you know, to whatever, second to last-place team. Yeah. The Giants have beat no one. I, I don't. I mean, good for the Cowboys that your Cowboys are surviving uh-huh. with Cooper Rush. Uh-huh. Big deal. Talk to me on uh, October 23rd when the Giants go to Jacksonville, and we've seen some inspired play from Jacksonville, which I'm not happy about since I have a bet with you. But the Giants have beaten Tennessee, Carolina, and the Bears, and they lost to my Cowboys. So 3-1 and one is not 3-1. and one. And the Giants are not better than the Raiders. Um, yes, the Patriots, you said you could scratch that list. Uh, if you were to put the, the Patriots up against the Raiders team we watched yesterday, the Raiders are beating that team. Sorry to tell you. So you're not going to scratch the Raiders. You said scratch them in front. Sorry, no, you're wrong. I said just about everyone. No, you didn't. I think that I, no, you didn't. No, actually, no, I think didn't. we can roll back the tape and, and roll back. you'll hear you the Patriots scratch, Falcons, scratch, Browns, most scratch, of, scratch most of that list ahead of them. I don't remember your most. I heard you say scratch that list. We'll uh, we'll go back on the reel-to-reel, and we'll have it back to you by Thursday. I'll play (laughs) it when you're not here. Of course you will. Trust me, we're not turning a a bite around in a minute. Will not happen. But to your point, (laughs) Patriots have played the Dolphins. All right, the Steelers are not good. Dolphins, Ravens, Packers, Steelers. Good schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Different different kind of schedule. And you know what? I don't care what their record is. Bill Belichick. Chips and queso or mozzarella bites for just four bucks. Five dollar modelos and plenty of other great food and drink specials. Twin Peaks in Henderson is your spot for Monday Night Football with Cofield and Company. At the two, they fake the trap. Now Mahomes scrambling to his right, holding it, holding it, gets off the hit. Now lunging forward, and now fires it late toward at the back of the end zone. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Mahomes with the touchdown pass, his second touchdown pass of this game, the 161st of his career. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Rams Niners coming up. You hear the Chiefs radio network on the call there. Let's bounce around the NFL. One of the best voices in the country when it comes to the National Football League. Pro Football Talk, Shereen Williams up with Willie and Cofield. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Always enjoy it. Thank you for coming on. I look like you were the lead on the Chiefs game, so we'll get into the Chiefs and the Bucks a lot in the next couple minutes, but I'm sure you paid attention a little bit uh, to the Raiders and the Broncos. Obviously, it was a must-win game for the Raiders, and they they did a bunch of things that they hadn't done in the first three games uh, to you know lock down the victory. What did you see from the Raiders? Well, you know, Devontae Adams, and Derek Carr looked so good in that first game. And then the, after that, the next two games didn't look so good. And it looked like there just wasn't that connection. And I started to see that again. Obviously, Devontae went over 100 yards with 101 yards. And, and, and so that, to me, was a huge positive sign for the Raiders, number one. And number two, just getting that running game going. I mean, Josh Jacobs looked like one of the best running backs in football the way he played yesterday and if they can get that out of him I know you're not going to get 144 yards or two touchdowns every single game but if they can get that production out of him uh, then I think you're going to see a really good team and I picked the Raiders to win the division and I still think they're a contender for that division title and I think what we saw against Broncos now I don't think a whole lot of the Broncos I thought they finished fourth in the division I still think they'll finish fourth in the division so you know 
it's it's not one of the upper tier teams. It's not like they beat the Chiefs. But you just started to see some positive signs that you thought you were going to see all year long. Shereen, you know, and, and you're right. In terms of, like, getting the rushing game going or getting production from Josh Jacobs, I felt that they'd been getting production. It's just a matter of getting the play calling correct and figuring out where you space this out. I, yeah. Do you think when you look at the complexion of the four games that Josh McDaniels, hey, not taken away from his NFL IQ, it's certainly head and shoulders above yeah. mine, but – Figuring out where to spread the wealth because it just looked confusing the first three weeks, but yesterday it looked perfect. I just tweeted this out. When the Raiders of all time, when they've rushed the ball 38 or more times, they're 157 and 13. That's in the history of this franchise. They averaged 17.6 rush attempts in their first three weeks. Yeah, pretty incredible Uh, and and good numbers. And I think you're right. I think it's a matter of, of learning your personnel and learning when and how to call those plays with the players that you have. And I think he's figured that out four games in. He's, he's answered some of those things. Yeah, there's no question. He's a great play caller. No question. You could see how much the Patriots missed him this year. No que- We have no question about how good of a play caller he is. But it's just learning that personnel, and I think that took a little bit of time. And now we're, I think you're right. We're starting to see some of that, when to call some of these plays, who to trust on the team, uh, all of those things. And, and so I, I just think they they played like we've expected them to play. Now, are they going to do it again next next week and the week after and the week after that? But there were certainly some positive signs out of that game. What went wrong for the Buccaneers last night? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think they have some injuries that are, that are problematic. But if you take back to the year they won the Super Bowl, um, the, the Chiefs just trashed them. Tyree Hill ran crazy against them, and they came back and won that Super Bowl game. So you never want to count out Tom Brady or the Bucks. And frankly, the division that they're in, they're going to win that division. They're tied with the Falcons right now. It's a terrible division. It might be the worst division in football. It may be worse than the AFC South is. Terrible division. They're going to win the division. It's just a matter of... Can they figure this out? Can they get this going? They're an old team. They're going to have injuries. Older guys always have more injuries. It's just the way it is. Your body starts to break down. And I think we're going to see that throughout the year with this team. But can they get healthy at the right time, have all their weapons? If they have all their weapons, they're a really good team. But defensively, I think, is where we were all surprised, right? I mean, the first three games, they gave up 27 points, and they gave up 28 in the first half of that game. So they've got to figure out some things defensively. Speaking of Shereen Williams here on Coalfield and Company, ESPN, Las Vegas, uh, 100.9 FM. Shereen, so the opposite side of that. I mean, with the Chiefs, we just talked about the Raiders, talked about the Chiefs. Um, they play each other on Monday night. What can we expect? Because if the Raiders can put together the performance that they played last night on both sides of the ball, offense, defense, a little bit of special teams, punt coverage is a little questionable. Can the Raiders go into Kansas City next Monday and win this game? Sure, I, I think they, I give them a chance to win. Now, you know, one thing I thought Kansas City did really well that we hadn't seen, and we could repeat because we just said it about the Raiders, but they ran the ball really effectively. I mean, that's what impressed me, I think, the most about their offense. I mean, Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. We know he's going to get his yards. He's probably going to score a touchdown. He usually does. So that all that's expected, but I think it's that running game. I mean, this is a team that had almost 200 uh, rushing yards. 
if they're going to run the ball out well, they're going to be really, really hard to stop offensively. But they've been so up and down this season. Again, I think the same thing that we were saying about the Raiders, to me it's the first game they've really put together where you look at that team and go, okay, this is kind of the championship team that we expect to see, and, and they've got everything going. And, and another thing that impressed me really was their defense, uh, the way they played defensively. They just made some big stops when they had to make some big stops. Yes, they gave up 31 points. Yes, they gave up a lot of yards. Brady passed for 385. But they were able to stop the run, which which was very important, and it helps when you get that lead. And they got the lead right off the bat with the fumble on, on the opening kickoff. Uh, so all that helps. But just the way they were able to run the ball and stop the run, I thought was really impressive. What are you hearing out of Dallas with Dak? I, I feel like they're, you know, if they're trying to get him ready for this week, I feel like they're rushing him back. Well, he's going to have a doctor visit tomorrow, and that's going to be important, and they'll set a plan after he goes and has x-rays on that hand. Jerry said yesterday, I was at that game yesterday, and Jerry said that because there's a plate in there, the hand doesn't have to be fully healed, and it won't be fully healed. It's just a matter of him being able to grip the ball and throw it like he wants to throw it. If the doctors give him the okay and he's able to grip the ball and able to throw the ball in practice, then he will start on Sunday, and I know that's what they want. That's why they didn't put him on IR. This would have been the, the game that they targeted for him to come back. Otherwise, you would have put him on IR because that would be four weeks, four games that he's missed. But I also think that Cooper Rush and the way he's played also plays into their thinking. So I'm not going to be surprised if they don't if they start Cooper Rush on, on Sunday. I'm not going to be surprised if they do and hold back Prescott out one more week just because of the way Cooper Rush has played, it gives you an extra week to get Dak another week of practice. And Mike McCarthy said today he wants to see Dak have a whole full week of full practices before he's ready to send him back out there. So we'll see if he's able to do that this week. If he is, he will start. If he's not, Cooper Rush will start his fourth consecutive game. Are we buying what the Patriots did yesterday to keep it close, go to overtime, or was that a spot where you know a team gets emotional, rally behind the backup quarterback or backup quarterbacks for one game? Yeah, I'm not really sold on the Patriots. I was, you know, surprised that they've they won the one game that they won, frankly. But you know, I was impressed with Bailey Zappi coming in. I mean, nobody saw that coming to, to kind of go toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers. And I think you're right when you're missing your. Starting quarter, not only your starting quarterback, your backup quarterback too, and your third stringer comes in there. Sometimes you see guys step up and, and do maybe more than they would otherwise, and play better maybe than they would otherwise. And I think that's kind of what we saw for the Patriots. A pretty impressive performance from him to step in there and, and, and kind of go toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers. It was it was impressive for them to take that thing to overtime, but. I, you know, I think the Patriots are what their record says they are. I don't see this team making the playoffs. I think they're the third team in that division. Now, obviously, Tua Tungavailoa's injury changes things probably for Miami, depending on how long he's out. But I do think if he's in there, I think the Patriots are the third, third best team in that division. Shereen Williams, Pro Football Talk. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, Pro Football Talk with Cofield and company here on ESPN Las Vegas. How intense do you think it's going to be in the short term and maybe the rest of the season? when it comes to concussions and protocol after this fiasco with Tua? Yeah, I, I think everyone's going to side on caution and guys will be pulled out. You know, there's already a lot of questions today about Cameron Bray uh, from that game last night and how he was allowed to reenter the game and, and what the team in the NFL has said 
is that he had a shoulder injury. Nobody knew he had a head injury until halftime. He complained about his shoulder. And they didn't notice the uh, – nobody knew about the, the head injury until he was checked out at halftime and he didn't return. So there's going to be a lot of scrutiny. I think there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on that one, and that's going to continue throughout this week. But it, it's going to be – they're going to side or err on the side of caution and hold guys out and keep guys out, not send them back in there like we've seen before. I don't think there's any question about that. If there's any doubt whatsoever, I think you're going to see guys sitting out uh, halves and sitting out games and sitting out uh, weeks uh, with concussions until they know that they're fully, fully healed. That was just that what we all saw for two weeks with two is just unacceptable. Outrageous. All right, Monday Night Football, what do we like? Niners, Rams. Well, you know, the Rams have started to look like the, the Super Bowl champions that, that we know that they are, and we're going to see if that's going to continue. But the 49ers, they're, to me, one of the most surprising teams sitting there at one and two. And I know they've had the quarterback situation with Trey Lance and Garoppolo and him coming back, and it looks like there's some discord between Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. And they need to get this thing turned around in a hurry if they're going to contend for a playoff spot. Otherwise, they're going to be out of it. They can't afford to fall to one and three here. Um, but I still like the Rams to win this game. I think the Rams are going to pull this one out. We just talked about, uh, before you came on, we talked about strength of schedule. I mean, and when you look at it, the 49ers are one and two. The two losses, I, I get it, they were Terrible. on the road, and the one win in Seattle, but they lost at Chicago, they lost at Denver. I mean, yeah. You know, and, and now, and now, and, and what are they going to do without Trent Williams? Yeah, terrible losses by them. And you're right that when you don't have your left tackle, and especially the best left tackle in football, that just kills you. Uh, and we know that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have the mobility that Trey Lance has, so that's going to be problematic for them going forward. So, you know, I really like the 49ers going into this season, and I don't like them now. I don't like anything that I've seen out of them. Uh, so far this year, and the, to me, they do not look like a playoff contender. And I, I you know, a little disappointed in, in really in the way they played, just because, as you said, those are just two terrible losses. Shereen Williams, thank you. We appreciate it. Make sure you check out uh, ProFootballTalk.com. And uh, Shereen's got a story up top about uh, one of the topics we talked about with Dak Prescott. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. There she is, Shereen Williams, Pro Football Talk. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we're going to talk to uh, Denver Broncos legend, local radio star now, Chad Brown, is up on Cofield and Company to uh, talk about the Broncos' side of the loss yesterday. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. probably gives them the best chance to win and I also think in the sound you know you hear Mitch Trubisky answering questions from the reporters like you can tell the disappointment the frustration is Kenny Pickett's getting changed in the locker right next to him as he's answering him you can almost feel that he knows the decision has been made to move on from you know him as the starting quarterback hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football it's Cofield and Company Tim Hasselback, ESPN, talking about the Steelers quarterback battle, controversy. Not sure what they're going to do this week. Here's Mike Tomlin talking about it. I thought we needed a spark, man. We didn't do much um, in the first half, uh, not enough offensively, and, you know, thought he could provide a spark for us. Do you expect that to stay? 
optimistic into next week? You know, I'm not going to talk extended as we sit here. We did what we needed to do to put ourselves in position to win this game and um, we'll do it again. Um, but I like to just keep it where we are in terms of what transpired here today. We'll deal with next week. All right, Mike Tomlin. Kind of dancing around the issue there, not decided yet. What do you think? That's a done deal. I mean, you, you can't – it's kind of like sending the message, right? You, once, you pull, once you pull them out, this isn't college. I mean, your guy did throw three, three interceptions. Picks. Well, pick it. So it's not, it's not guaranteed. Pick it. Right? <laughs> okay. We picked it. I like that. You, you said it like <laughs> – <laughs> And I was like, wait. Or is there something after that? You just wanted the cheap laugh? Yeah, sure, why not? No, I, I mean, the thing, you throw the kid in the fire. I mean, there, there's something to be said about that. You're just, you're just kind of whipping him in. And, and, and he wasn't even told ahead of time, hey, be ready at some point. I mean, you got to be ready. That's your job. But, I mean, he's a rookie. Now you have all week to sort of prepare. You've made that statement. I, I you know, I I don't know. I think that because everybody's been waiting for that. And, I, and Mike Tomlin's not a coach who's coaching for everybody else. But in a sense, you kind of knew it was coming. Now you have to make that. You have to make that. You got you to do something. Because it's the thing is, you got to that point, three and a half games, where it wasn't working. So you took a shot. You can't say, well, it didn't work. You whipped a rookie in in the middle of a game where, you know, everything was sort of in disarray. Now... Have him run with the ones full-time and see what you got. You're going to have to take a shot. I mean, what are you going to do? Every time that Trubisky – this kid, this guy's got a, a history of flunking. Now you're just going to just keep going back? Tomlin's a smart coach. He knows what he's got to do. I, I mean, I think the writing's on the wall. I'd like to see him get three more games. Well, of Start. course you would. See where he is. You know what I like? I, I like as we're coming back from, <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm giving you hand signs, and you're going, wow, what's going on? And I got you all in a, in a little uproar. Well, I, I wasn't. You were trying to figure out what no, I was trying to tell you. I can't you? read lips. I, I know what you're trying to tell me. Who was coming back? Yeah, no, I was just saying you're right. It was Hassel. Like, that's, that's all. Oh, okay. That's it. Because when I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, no, it, it was. But I like to get you flustered because you're like, what's going I mean, do you start? Seriously, you're going to start Kenny Pickett for his first game as a starter at the Bills, at Bills, home Buccaneers, at Dolphins, at Eagles. Let me ask you Holy this. Holy schmoly. Let me ask you this. You're really going to put Trubisky in against that? I think Trubisky gets a start this week, but it could be a quick hook if he sucks. And then you're right. At that point, you can't do week to week. He's got to be given a chance I th- to, I to start. I think you're right. I think you're right. Trubisky might get the start in Buffalo, but – or, or, you know what? If you if you expect if you already expect you know what to expect against Buffalo, maybe you go with both quarterbacks. But you set hit you set this kid up. He starts against Tampa Bay. Now, and I'm not knocking Tampa. I mean, obviously they're the favorite in the NFC South, but it's the lone home game until a bye week. Your whole bet with me was like, well, they'll get through that first brunt of the schedule and then come out week ten against New Orleans, but. I, I think you you can't run the risk of going one and seven if you can get this kid some action against Buffalo and then he starts at home against Tampa Bay. That's your best shot. Twin Peaks Monday Night Football, come on down. Big beers under four bucks. Appetizers uh, two, four, and six dollars. Those are the special appetizers like chips and salsa. 
mozzarella bites, also uh, six boneless wings. Monday Night Football, Twin Peaks. Cofield and Company is broadcasting live at Twin Peaks and Henderson for Monday Night Football. Join us every Monday from 2 to 5 p.m. Brown into it. Wilson lifts the right leg, gets the ball. They bring the blitz off the edge, and they got to him. Nate Hobbs coming around the left side, circled Wilson in the turf back at the 34. And the silver and black going to get off the field. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Getting ready for Monday Night Football. we got the Niners and the Rams. Let's go back to uh, yesterday's game, back and forth game. Broncos fall to the Raiders. Raiders finally win a game. And in Bronco land, even though they were 2-1, I'm thinking things were pretty, pretty testy. In fact, we know because we talked to a bunch of folks last week who – Played in the NFL, other uh, broadcasters, and they were on edge going in. I can't imagine what they're like now. Chad Brown knows the Denver scene as well as anyone. He gives us a couple of minutes. The former NFL player does with Willie and Steve. Chad, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How you fellas doing out there? Uh, we're good. We're good. We're in a little different position than, than you guys are in Denver radio because the Raiders just came here. I mean, the Broncos have been there forever. So when things get dialed up from an intensity standpoint i know you guys see it and feel it so what was a losing monday like in denver today well you know every nfl monday is always an overreaction monday but here uh yeah you know to lose to the raiders um the current players you know coach hackett downplay the the, the, the past rivalry uh, but the fans here are still uh very much raider haters so uh the results of uh, yesterday's game how they lost, uh, plus the injuries. Um, it's a very, very disappointing Monday here in town. And, uh, you know, the expectations when Russell Wilson became the quarterback here were incredibly high, in some ways too high to even possibly achieve in year one. It doesn't mean the fan base has a realistic uh, outlook on things, so they're definitely bumming out there today. Well, and we're feeling that here as well, Chad, in Las Vegas. I mean, as far as the media is concerned, you know, expectations are high when Devontae Adams, I mean, number one receiver in the league, arrives. You have those same expectations. What, what's baffling to me is this, is that, you know, even as well as Russell Wilson, and I was in the postgame press conference, you know, I was trying to word it as best I could in that he had this performance and the rest of his – components sort of it was a wasted opportunity in in that you know your your guy that you traded for finally had this i don't want to call it a breakout performance because it wasn't like astronomical but he had the the efficiency and productive performance and the rest of the offense it just doesn't look is it is it the rest of the offense or is it hack it it's a little bit of everything right now uh the right side of the offensive line not playing very well you know, some of Coach Hackett's schemes, oh, let's put our fullback on Max Crosby. Of course, Max Crosby gets a sack on that play. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, his numbers were pretty good, 17-25, but there were some critical third downs where he was behind a receiver or over a receiver's head or threw it into the dirt. So uh, there's enough blame to be shared on this offense. You know, uh, the first three games of the, uh, first two games of the season, 16 points, 16 points, 11 points, clearly not getting done. Only three touchdowns over the first couple of weeks of the season so uh this offense is still a work in progress which we knew it would be but you know as training camp started and as expectations started to rise and over everything over there at the broncos headquarters all uh particularly late in the offseason and during training camp was everything is great you know russell wilson is 
Mr. Positivity. Nathaniel Hackett is Mr. Positivity. And the fan base bought into that. And as a radio host, I would try to tell them, hey, my football experience tells me you cannot bring in three brand-new coordinators, offense, defense, and special teams, a brand-new head coach, and a brand-new quarterback, and expect them all to come together in year one. It just doesn't happen like that. And we've seen the results of all those pieces trying to get on the same page. The Broncos come into the game converting 37% of its third downs. They're 3 for 11, 27% on Sunday. Seven of those those attempts, and, and that's what uh, Cortland Sutton and Russell Wilson pointed out, seven of those attempts, third and eight or longer, not doing themselves a favor on those first two downs to get third and shorts or stay out of that position. Yeah, well, you know, the running game is built by a lot of repetition. You don't introduce a new running scheme, the outside zone scheme, and expect to not play any of your starters in the preseason and expect that to all come together. Broncos didn't play any of their starters. So to ask this offensive line to learn a new scheme with backups involved, mind you, um, and expect the, that run game to win on first and second down to develop third and shorts, I mean, it's, 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 it's a fool's folly. You can't do that. So Coach Hackett said his number one goal for training camp was to come out of it, come out of it healthy. Well, okay, you did that outside of Tim Patrick, you know, blowing an ACL on a un, uh, non-contact injury during training camp. But you didn't come out of training camp prepared to play. You didn't come out of training camp with your run game down. You didn't come out of training camp with your operations down. Remember, the Broncos are the most penalized team in the NFL uh, yeah. over the first three games of the season, 25 penalties in the first two weeks. So they couldn't get a snap-off right couldn't beat the play clock so so many of these executional things just weren't taken care of and buttoned up in the preseason and now they're suffering through that here in the first four games of the season speaking of chad brown denver radio host former nfl player on cofield and company on espn 1100 am 100.9 fm so chad they got a short week and Russell Wilson said, you know, we gotta we gotta put it in the books we gotta move past it he said he had a, a private conversation with melvin gordon told him hey we know who you are. We know what you can do. This whole team needs a wake-up call, but in four days, they host the Indianapolis Colts, and it comes against the defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, who coached against that team last year, so he's familiar, maybe not with Hackett, maybe not with Russell Wilson, but knows what he's doing, already beat the Chiefs. How does this team rebound in four days? Uh, I think this may be actually the best thing for some guys like Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon obviously had that costly fumble that resulted in a Raider defensive touchdown. So for Melvin Gordon, I'm sure he wants him back on the field as quickly as possible and prove to himself, prove to these coaches, prove to the fan base in here in Denver um, that he can hold on to the football. Melvin Gordon has been an extremely productive back at his time in the NFL, but the fumbles have been an issue since the beginning of his career. So if he's going to have any kind of future here in, in Denver, uh, particularly now with Javante Williams being out, Melvin Gordon needs to be the bell cow. I'm sure uh, George Payton, the GM, is going to be looking at bringing in some guys after this game on Thursday. But with the short week, Melvin Gordon gets a wonderful opportunity. The football guys in some way have smiled on him to give him this opportunity where they can't possibly bring in somebody else. It is going to be the Melvin and Boone show on Thursday night. Um, So hold on to the football, Melvin. Get the Bronco fans, the coaches, and your fellow players back believing in you again. And then after that, for sure, they're bringing in more running backs, you think? Uh, I think there's no doubt about that. Because Melvin Gordon has had his issues his, 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 issues his entire career, I don't think uh, suddenly it's going to flip the switch and change 
George Payton has to do right by the Denver Broncos and bring someone else in who can securely hold the football. Chad Brown with us, NFL Insider on Cofield and Company. Uh, give me your take on what you thought of the Raiders and what do you think of them the rest of the way? It's early. They're off to a, not a great start at 1-3. and three. What do you think of the Raiders? Uh, well, you know, the offense was coming into uh, yesterday's game averaging 25 points a game. They exceeded that, so they definitely can score some points offensively. The issue was uh, the defense. Uh, could they, you know, hold the Broncos' offense down? They were able to do that for the most part, particularly on first and second down, and for the Broncos' running game down. So uh, I think the NFL is more difficult to evaluate teams in the first five, four or five games than ever before because so many teams aren't playing their guys in the preseason, um, because so many coaches are concerned about injuries during training camp. They don't do the joint practices. They limit guys in scrimmage. So we got to get at this weird thing where we don't really know who teams are. You know, I thought I knew who the, who the Chiefs were. I had the Chiefs versus the Colts for Compass Media. And then, you know, the Colts beat the Chiefs. Um, so coming in on Thursday for the Broncos, I don't know which Colts team is going to show up. The one that beats the Chiefs or one that loses to Jacksonville doesn't score a single point. For this Raiders team, uh, I think it was, we all would agree this was the best they looked. Are they headed in the right direction, or is this an aberration? And they're going to go back to where they were the first couple of weeks. So uh, if, if it would be great, I'd love to be on your show in a couple of weeks, and I can give you a more affirmative answer because I don't think anyone truly knows at this point. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. and I, I, I still feel like they you know, are thin at certain areas. That's a decision they made when they – through $30 million a year at Devontae Adams. I'm I'm still starting – I'm kind of developing this whole thing now. I, I, don't, I don't know that you can spend $30 million on a quarterback or more and 30 mil on a receiver. And this is, all, this is kind of a new thing that we're dealing with here with receivers going north of $20 million. Can you win with that much money at those two positions? That's an interesting, you know, team structural uh, question. And I think a lot of teams who made those big investments this year will find out the results of that here in the next couple of years. Uh, because if you've got, you know, one great receiver, which uh, the Raiders clearly do, although Hunter Renfro is more than very good, and Darren Waller is more than very good, you would think a, a talented play caller as Josh McDaniels is uh, to be able to get the ball to those guys and be able to get Derek Carr to go away from whoever is doubled and take advantage of matchups out there. So far, it's a little bit uh, underwhelming results, but I know Josh from my time in New England. I would expect... As time went along, he would develop a system that would be able to highlight the strength of those three receivers and be able to get Derek Carr to find the, the guy with the best matchup every time. Chiefs going to run away with this division? Uh, it's, it seems to be that way. They reasserted themselves yesterday uh, after a disappointing performance against the Colts. In some way against the Colts, the Chiefs lost that game more than the Colts actually won that game. Um, so at this point, i got to give the, the Chiefs the big lead in this division. I thought this would may possibly be the most talented division in the NFL this year. And I've said publicly, this may be the greatest quarterback division of all time. Uh, so far, they have not made my prediction look very good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Chad Brown, the fan, part of the uh, Players Club on the fan in Denver. We appreciate the time today. Thank you so much. And uh, have fun this week around Broncos land. Must-win game. I, lo- I love that it's a must-win game every week in the NFL this early in the season. Yeah, you got to love the overreactions. It is a long season, you know, uh, so have a little patience out there, fans. But, yeah, uh, the Broncos and the Raiders, I think they're two teams with high expectations to have to get things going right. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Jeff. It's crazy. It is crazy. It is. I don't think the Chiefs are 
running away with it yet. It's early. Listen, the other the other teams, well, especially the Chargers, and the Raiders have had a bunch of injuries too. They were already thin at certain positions, and now they're dealing with concussions in multiple spots. Chargers are beat to hell. Now Bosa, we find out over the weekend, Willie, yep. is down for like eight to ten weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, something like that could happen to the Chiefs. I'm not rooting for it. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it changes everything. We've already seen, you know, incredibly debilitating injuries early in the year. And then there's the Ravens, who I want to get into last couple minutes of this hour. It's pretty interesting. So we'll get to some of the reaction from people. I actually read someone say that the Ravens' execution and decision-making down the stretch, losing the game to the Bills, probably takes them out of the running for the number one seed in the AFC. Wait. I understand it. they lost to the Bills, mm-hmm. so they'll have a tiebreaker, but seriously. We've got 13 games left. Yeah, that's that's. I'm not, I'm not buying into that in any way, shape, or form. Not when I still feel that Baltimore has the best athlete in the NFL playing for them. And I guess that would lead me to say the best quarterback. Because, um, no, I, I don't buy into that. I don't think that they lost the number one seed because Buffalo still has its schedule. It's got to get through. And I think that the Ravens, you know, <sighs> When you look at the makeup of the AFC North, it's it's somewhat similar. The Buffalo Buffalo's got somewhat of a similar, you know, the Buffalo and Miami, Baltimore and Cincinnati. After that, okay, New England, Cleveland. I'm I'm looking at the at, at how the the their their intra division lineup, you know, is is left for them, and and I think that they have somewhat the same rugged schedule. So I'm not buying into the Baltimore's loss it. In after week four, who's the clear cut favorite in the AFC? I don't think there is one, but right now, got to go Bills. No, you know what? And I'm not afraid to say that you got to you got to mention Chiefs in the conversation. You should be afraid. No, I'm not. This could be rough for you with your Raiders against Chiefs bet. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm already. <laughs> that's the only one I'm worried about. Why you don't think the Raiders are going to bounce back? Get no, to 11 wins? Out of, out of the three, that was the one that I came into the season most confident about. Now, I'm com- most confident about Pickett, then Texans. Yeah, we bet. So our bets were Pickett would start by game seven, however I phrase it, whatever. It's week seven. Chiefs and Raiders, the important one, the gap was minus two and a half wins. So at this point, the Raiders probably need to get to ten wins to give you a chance. You, you feel pretty solid that the Chiefs are going to win 12? Minimum? Well, that was the that was the whole thing. I always said ten. Yeah. So I have to hope that they can get nine. And that the Chiefs and the last Chief, Chiefs stumble a bit, sit at eleven. This week's game obviously is massive got, for your bet. Right, and I have to. Well, not as much as the one that's here because if they if they split, so. And where are you now on our Jags Texans bet? I'm fine with that. And they way off, way way off the beaten path for a Vegas audience, but. I had the Jags. How many wins? What was it? There was no how many. It was just plus oh, my, two and a half. Okay, so two and a half. Plus Good. Two and a half. I kept thinking over the weekend it was three. I'm like, that's no. going to be tough. No. Jags yesterday. Come on. They had the Eagles down big. I was never in doubt. Well, I had the, the weather, weather didn't help. Yeah, I, you know. Lawrence turned into a freaking mess. And, and I think let's deal with reality here. The Eagles are really good. They're very good. They're the best team in the NFL. Whoa, okay. Yeah. 
I thought you were just going to say the NFC. No, best team in the NFL. Damn, Willie Strong on this Through one. Through four weeks, best team in the NFL. Twin Peaks, got the big beers under four bucks. About 15 shots that are under $4 as well. You're not getting 15 shots for $4. Didn't want to misspeak there. Come on down, Monday Night Football. Good crowd building. Expect a big Rams crowd here at Twin Peaks in Henderson.